0: Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law, take four. For you listeners, we've actually actually had a lot of (laughs) struggles here getting out of the game. But hey, now we are going. Chris, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Oh, I love being here. Every single take.
0: Now, thank you so much. Hopefully we can remember the funny stuff that we did. Well, this (laughs) is Election Week. We are recording this on Tuesday. By the time this is played, it's going to be Friday, we yep. will already know the election results, so Chris. Here is the number I want to give for you. We're, we're the betting type. We like to do over and unders. Love them. Over under. How many days from now until Donald Trump, Trump says, "I want to be in the news again"? I am announcing my candidacy. See, you
1: know, I don't. I don't think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be the last possible moment to form an exploratory committee and. I have a theory behind this, and this theory actually says Donald Trump is a smart person. So I feel like I should have a few seconds to explain it.
0: All right. I'll I'll give you two.
1: Right. Go. All of the gear, all of the Trump 2024 flags, hats, banners, all of that stuff, all of that money goes directly into Trump's pocket. He is a shrewd businessman. He said it a billion times. This is a smart business move for him. Because until he announces his run for president and he forms his exploratory committee and his campaign committee, that is Pure profit in his pockets. So he's not going to, I don't think he's going to call until the required nine months before the actual first presidential primary to put as much money in his pocket as humanly possible.
0: Wow. You gave him way more credit than I, I do. I, I, I think he is chomping at the bit. I think they yeah. had to restrain him last week. Uh, right. They had to put a muzzle on him if that is possible. He is dying to get back into the news. I think it was just two days ago at some you know, campaign rally in Ohio. He called Ron DeSantis. Ron, the So yeah. yeah, Trump's already looking at Ron DeSantis and saying he is my enemy. He is my competitor. I'm going after him. And so he I, he's already in that kind of he's in November 15th. Mm-hmm. There is no way he even makes it that long. I would be surprised if by the time this podcast has aired, he hasn't already said, I am going to run for president. But I, Maybe, that's just yeah. my take on it. Yeah. I, I think he's a media whore. All right. Well, I, think,
1: that means- I think if there's a huge blue wave, right, if Democrats went across the board and like the Senate and governors and all that stuff, I think he might he might announce saying he's the savior of the Republican Party and we all need to rally behind him. So we'll see. It'll be
0: interesting. he, he is going to claim victory no matter what, well, because is. he hasn't announced yet. If there is a blue wave, then he's going to say, see, this is why I need to get back in control, because that was not my fault. All right, if they win, he's going to say it's because they they don't like uh, Biden, they like me, and so he's going to take credit for the victory. That is the one thing I can guarantee he will tra- take credit for that victory. All right, well, we don't know what is going to take place during the election that's happening today as we are recording this, but what we do know is that there are going to be some Lawsuits that have been filed, and I believe several lawsuits have already been filed in Pennsylvania. A lawsuit was filed by the Democratic committee, saying, "Hey, look these these ballots that are being that are being mailed in with without any date stamp on them, without any mm-hmm. date." You need to be able to count those as well. It doesn't matter when they were actually mailed. I don't, I'm not quite sure I understand that theory, but mm-hmm. hey, you know what? Why not just make it open for whenever and whenever? All right, Chris, but there are some also some lawsuits that have been filed in, in your neck of the woods.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of them. We have um, a poll protector lawsuit out right now where uh, gentlemen were showing up to polling locations fully armed and in militia gear. Ensuring people's right to vote, um, which was deemed voter suppression by the uh, Arizona courts right now. We have that case going up on appeal on whether or not you have a right to open carry in front of an election location. Currently, there's a 250-foot bar, but that's under review. And then also um, what's considered ballot harvesting is also up right now. Like, I cannot take my my absentee ballot and my wife's absentee ballot and drop it off. I have to drop off mine and my wife has to drop off hers. And so there's a case right now saying, are you allowed to collect family members or spouses or anybody else's ballots that's already been sealed and turn them into the location or do people all have to drop them off uh, individually? So those are the two cases that are going on right now.
0: Interesting. Now I I got in there just as an aside, I don't like ballot harvesting i think it is a threat to the democratic process i like these regulations that are on them i am worried about people going out to these apartment complexes and just you know taking their their ballots and just saying, hey you mark i'll take it in in fact i'll fill it out for you i'll turn these in that is right for all kinds of fraud however the scenario you just pointed out not sure that's even enforceable. I mean, right. your wife is in the back seat of the car. You just drop it off. What are they actually right. having monitors there that that well, that's, count the noses in the car? That's where the poll protectors are there with their the
1: citizens assigned themselves. They're not election officials. They're not employed by anything. They've decided to take it upon themselves to show up at polling locations to make sure that each person drops off their own envelope. Check it themselves to make sure that you're not voting for someone else.
0: You know what? I am almost, I had this conversation with my wife the other day. I'm almost to the point where I want to say, you know what? Forget all advanced voting. It's it's too right for fraud. You know what? You show up on the second or or you show up for these during this week and you can vote in advance. If you have a good cause to vote early, then you go to the wherever and you cast your ballot. Might some be missed in this process? yeah some might be missed but i don't like just this open ended thing hey you know what you can go out there and take these ballots wherever have them filled in in this day and age of electronic manipulation of data i just don't like that i don't know maybe i'm old school chris i just i say on on the second tuesday of november let's show up and let's vote how old school am i
1: well i it's it's a weird it's a weird thing right there's Like the law, there is no cut-and-dry black-and-white answer, right? Everything is is gray areas. So you can make the argument for, okay, military personnel, spouses of military personnel, you get to vote by mail because you could be at a duty station, but you're still voting local. Okay, that's something I think we all can agree on, right? We can all agree that if you're a duty station or something to that effect. What about college kids that are in – college in another state. Should they get to I vote? I don't care it?
0: about college kids actually. Right, right. Um <laughs> but then it's like I'm just kidding on that. I am just yeah, kidding. However, I do have two college age kids in my right. household. I'm speaking right. from experience. Right, but then we also have like
1: as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have of age voters that are off on their missions in other countries. Should they be deprived the right to vote because they're choosing to serve a religious mission? So there's that that exception. Then you add to the fact that People, the, the state of Arizona specifically, I can't speak to everyone else, so I'll just speak from personal experience, closes and moves around polling locations. So if we don't have consistency of where we can go vote at, we don't have consistency of hours of where we can go vote at, we don't have consistency of staffing of where we can go vote at, it makes it difficult for me to say, yeah, we should have in-person voting. And to boot, what about the people that don't get election day off? Right, I have a pl- I have a privilege that I could be able to either take a vacation day and not affect my income, or my work being at a university can have that day off. What about the people that have to work 15 hours that day and can't make it to the polls? Should we deny them the right to vote just because they work in an industry that doesn't allow? F- it's complex. I'm not saying that vote by mail is the right answer. I'm not saying vote in person is the right answer. I'm not saying any. I'm just saying these are complex issues that we need to look at. Once we get past the politics of everybody calling fraudulent elections.
0: All right. Well, that is the, um, yeah, that's another Oprah under how many people will be crying fake elections here. Mm -hmm. Fraud. You know, in uh, during this next week. I'm going back to 2016 where one uh, was, was it um, Stacey Abrams a gubernatorial candidate in, um, in Georgia said hey no this election results were fraudulent. I am the rightful winner here in Georgia. That was the Democratic candidate who mm-hmm. lost but claimed that no the election was wrong. She's the rightful governor. And then of course we know what happened in 2020 in the presidential election where the other side claimed foul. Mm-hmm. Is that like the modus operandi going forward? Is that like the game plan? Hey if you lose the election cry foul i I see it by both sides i
1: think i think already we're seeing people cry foul um we're already i mean we are 11 hours 10 hours and 48 minutes from polls closing here in arizona and they're already crying that it's a fraudulent election so it's gonna be super fun super fun to see how many people call it is
0: well we are going to be here to watch and observe over the next Couple of weeks. If if these elections are not close, then it's not going to be that big of a deal. Everyone will accept the results. If it's going to be within a percentage point, that's when people start to get a little bit nervous, especially if those few votes make a difference as to who controls the United States House or United States Senate. All right. That being said, there's not a lot going on in the legal news right now. And so, Chris, I thought it might be fun to do a game show called Deal or No Deal. I love this. So we're, we're going to do it now. Also, I'm going to do a little bit of teaser. At the end of this podcast, I am going to bring up um, uh, a good friend of mine, Kerry Phillips. He is a stand-up comic and Love a it. lawyer. And we are going to have a conversation on how one can be funny. And so it's a hilarious interview. You're going to want to stay for that. I have a video of his recent stand-up routine where he just knocked it out of the park. All right, but first, Chris, mm-hmm. I want to play this game with you called Deal or No Deal. And we're going to go over these various situations where a lawyer has gotten him or herself in trouble mm-hmm. by not following the ethical rules. So we're going to right. have fun discussing these facts. And then I'm going to give you a deal. Chris, right. would you take a... 90-day suspension for what this lawyer did. Would you take a public reprimand? So we're going to talk a little bit about yeah, yeah. the attorney rules that are at play. Okay, Have a little this. bit of fun with this. And so, um, all right, Chris, by the way, Chris, is that not what we do as lawyers? Is 100%. it not a game show? Do we actually live out Howie Mundell's life? We do, Well, you know, I think it's funny because you say deal or no
1: deal. And I go to Monty Hall. Like in the early 60s of doing Neil or Deal or No Deal. I did not know that Howie Mandel did Neil or No Deal nowadays. I didn't even know it was back on the air. I was still thinking Monty Hall. But do we live out Howie's life every time I go into a jury trial? Every single time.
0: Yellow it's a
1: 50-50 every time.
0: Do you want the certain of this deal I'm offering you? Right. Or well, do you want to take your chances behind whatever is 12 behind door number three? 12, <laughs> 12 members of your peers. Let's go. Wow. We get to live out a game show, but we Every don't time. have the same game show help that you no. know Pat Sajak has or whatever. Ooh. But all right, so let's start off here with this. thought. This first deal, No Deal, I'm going to throw it by you. Is this? Let me get it on the screen there so you all can see. All right, what? Why is it, Chris? So we seem to live in an age where people love to shout fake news, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, a certain presidential <laughs> candidate. And president, you know, he, he should have got a trademark, should have got a registered trademark yep. for fake news. I, I I'm not going to ask you to do your Donald Trump impersonation. I know you're, you're, you're still working on that. It's Bad. Yeah, it's, it's bad. I think he said something like that too. But nonetheless, yeah. uh, it's, it's not just one side of the equation. We know he liked to yell fake news. It also came from the other side. Well, if you remember, with a certain president's son had issues with his laptop, and if you remember what the mainstream media was telling you during that point of time regarding his laptop, do you remember what it was? It was fake news. This is what they said. (laughs) Please disperse. There is nothing to (laughs) see here. Did you
1: watch Naked Gun? I did. All of them. Best work that O.J. Simpson ever did.
0: I loved it. Well, he did have a couple of you know, hundred yard, two hundred yard games, but yeah, I I, I loved um, nope. uh, that movie. There's Nothing to see here with Hunter Biden's laptop. Right. No one apparently told the FBI there's a criminal investigation. So fake news both goes ways. It also happens here with Twitter. Remember, Elon Musk is yep. trying to buy Twitter, and the the sale was held up because. Apparently, a thousands of the accounts were fake. They weren't actually real people. They were robots that had these out. accounts. Twitter has fake accounts on it.
2: No,
1: I. I... Free speech be damned.
0: Oh, good gravy. Here, here's the here's the bad reality of that. Do you realize that since these a lot of these accounts are operated by robots, that means that Rosie the robot actually has more followers on Twitter. Than I do, and that's very oh. sobering thought. Uh, do you even know who it Rosie is. the Robot is? That is the Jetsons' maid. It is the Jetsons' maid. Come
1: on, man. You, we're you the, it. this is the year that George Jetson was born. By the way, if you want to have your fun facts of history,
0: did not know that. Really? Yes, this is the year. Let's celebrate. So Let's we're gonna the, have flying cars here pretty soon. We Speaking are. Good case. Maybe we will. <laughs> All right. So. So here is what happened in this case, Uh, and and so this is the there were the the attorney. This attorney represented the heirs of a Saudi sheikh who claimed that the Chevron Corp owed them rent because of a 1933 agreement signed you know, 60, 70 years ago by Chevron Corp's predecessor, Standard Oil Company of California. All right. So the attorney filed this petition to enforce a foreign arbitral award in the U.S. district court. Now, the court dismissed this petition and the case was appealed to the Ninth Circuit. All right, so mm-hmm. the lawyer then filed a motion with the appellate court okay. to attach a supplemental exhibit supposedly to bolster his claim that the arbitral award should have been recognized. By the way, this arbitration award that was done in Cairo, Egypt, allegedly, was $18 billion. So this lawyer filed this um, supplemental exhibit, tried to support the idea that, hey, there's this arbitration award, so here's a problem, Chris, with this um, supplemental exhibit that he filed. Okay, he filed me. it on behalf. He said this, there was an article that was printed in the Saudi Sun that talked about this arbitration award. And so this should be proved that there was this arbitration award that was entered in, in, in uh, Cairo, Egypt. Okay. Here's a problem with this exhibit that he, he filed. Number me. one, the attorney did some digging. They could not find a Saudi son. So, like, well, where is this um, this publication? They could not find it anywhere online or, or any kind of indication that the Saudi son even existed. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris, it actually gets even worse because the lawyers read the content in this alleged article, right? Mm-hmm. And you know what? This... The content here sounds kind of familiar. It, you know, it's like it's, it's verbatim to the, um, the petitioner's briefing below. So, yeah, the allegation was these lawyers created some fake news, created this fake Saudi son, published an article, and then tried to submit it to the appellate court as proof that this arbitration ward even existed. Chris, right. whoever, think of doing something like that? No, that's just dumb. All right. <laughs> I I I
1: mm, clear sanctions clear sanctions in this like you absolutely clear 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 sanctions that when you are defrauding the court like look I have I have made some pretty shoddy arguments in my years of doing criminal defense I have stretched the bounds of truth and reality to make some oral arguments that are tentatively barely related to my client but this is just uh, this is way too obvious way too obvious of going
0: to the attorney's credit he did say that he was not submitting the article for the truth of the matter but just for demonstrative purposes of course
1: i'll create a fake newspaper in saudi arabia for demonstrative (laughs) purposes of getting my motion in in front of the court and into the into the record,
0: it's exactly. Yes, I have no there. idea what this means. I have no idea what this means. What does he mean? Right. In demonstrative purposes. I, I assume right. it means not for the truth, right? But just to give you some context, that hey, some publication was talking about this. I, yeah, I, I don't understand this. So let's go but back. Also, and let's. But also, it, it lends to the idea that every Tom, Dick,
1: Harry, and Sally that has a blog should be considered a news source. Like that's all – like I could today go to WordPress and build up a site that's the you know Chris and Joel news and review, and I could start putting up all sorts of stuff and go, look, it's a credible news source. It's Chris and Joel's news and review. Look, it's on the internet. It's obviously a reliable news source.
0: Hey, Chris, the uh, community debriefing the, the community of the law is on the internet. It is. It's got to be real news. Dollar all news. right, well, let's go to their actual pleadings to see how he defended himself, and this is what he said. He said there is no indi- – this is what the, the lawyer said. Uh, For Chevron, there is no indication, however, that the Saudi Sun even exists as a news organization or publication. And this version presented by petitioners, notably undated, does not bear any indication of its origin or of the mailing address or even an email address or website. For this purported newspaper. Moreover, much of the so called article merely regurgitates word for word allegations that petitioners have made in prior filings before this court and other courts. My, so this is how the lawyer then defended himself. The lawyer uh said um actually it goes if petitioners and or their counsel did in fact have a hand in drafting the proposed saudi Sun article their submission of the article to this court would constitute a breach of counsel's duty of candor. so this would Mm -hmm. be attempted fraud on the court this actually is from the court's opinion on this matter uh so let's go let's read now from what the how the lawyer defended his actions okay so this comes from the um Uh, the appellant's motion to attach the the supplemental exhibit. Got it. And this is what he said. He said, look, I'm only doing this for demonstrative purposes as it provides an informative summary of factual and procedural events related to the 2014 and 15 arbitration proceedings that took place in Cairo, Egypt. Okay, Chris, I guess I don't understand what demonstrative purposes means then. Do you have any idea?
1: Um, It just shows that something happened. That... That something something happened in Cairo. It just it just shows it just shows. We're just yeah. It doesn't it doesn't matter the source of the information. Just so you know, something happened in Cairo that that could have affected this case. And it doesn't matter where we got it or how we obtained it or where it went from or who put it up there. I just want to show you that it's out there on the internet that this happened in Cairo.
0: So for our non-lawyers edification, so when you say something is for demonstrative purposes in court, this Mm -hmm. is what you are saying. Look, there's a bunch of facts that are in the record that have already been admitted. They are true. or These are facts that we are alleging. I'm going to put them in a nice, easy-to-read table so you can Mm -hmm. see it clearly and not read the volumes of of facts. Hundreds of thousands of millions of pages. Right, so it's going to be for demonstrative purposes. This right. is the word for word translation of what he already argued. No, this was being argued as proof that the arbitration, were, um, arbitration award it actually existed. Yep, it exactly. Happened. All right, so the here's the argument. The court said that a party moving the court may attach to the motion any paper necessary to support a motion. Actually, this is coming from the, the lawyer himself. So he said, "Look, I can file this." this extra non part of the record with the appellate court because it's it supports my motion the court said no you can't file any paperwork it actually has to be a part of the record the appellate record you just can't file whatever you want at the appellate court stage all right which is probably a good thing uh, uh i was thinking maybe i could file my own uh certificate if, if we can just make stuff up here's a tennis federation of the universe that issued a certificate of appreciation to me for being the best tennis player in skills and looks on this in all adjacent solar systems so hey you know what if we are allowed to just make stuff up for demonstrative purposes why can't i do this
1: exactly and then, look that's the point that is absolutely – the point is that cases need to be backed up with reliable sources, reliable facts, uh, provable instances of truth, and getting to the bottom of the matter rather than what my story is versus Joel's story. And, yeah. and you can't just – you can't – I mean I love this certificate. It's absolutely wonderful. It would You know what would also be a good one is admitted to practice law, Joel Oster, every state in the union. Right, right? right, it's demonstrative that I've passed a bar in every state of the union. Therefore, I should be able to practice law, Your Honor. Like I'm competent under the rules because I have this wonderful template lab, signatured, non signatured, right, um, right certificate. Right. And more to it's the point, it,
0: Chris, if I actually had this hanging in my office, this certificate, and I told you, oh no, I'm, what would be my purpose in doing that? It would be to tell you, hey, I'm a good looking dude. Look this. Organization that may or may not exist out there issued this certificate that I am a great tennis player with right. great looks. Yeah, you are. No, this is, well, it's true though. Okay, good point. Maybe this isn't it the is best true. example out there. Right. All right. Well, the court wasn't buying this argument, good. and the court held a hearing to discuss this article with the attorney. But apparently, the attorney didn't feel right in showing up, and said I can't be a part of this biased proceeding, and skipped the um uh, the, the hearing. So. Chris, yeah. this is the offer I'm going to give you: public reprimand and to strike the pleading. Would you take this? deal yes. If you were the lawyer,
1: hundred percent, yes, without hesitation. Right? I lose the pleading. A public rec- rep- reprimand doesn't affect my practice at all. I don't lose days. I don't lose money. Mu- there's no, there's no uh, sanctions on here. Like all it is is just getting yelled at in a court case that nobody's going to read.
0: There you go. You would take this deal. The actual sure. outcome of this case was. Uh, it's still pending. Come back. Oh, year, so I'm, come I'm so on. sorry about that, but Hey, you to come oh. back and, uh, and we'll, hey, we'll be following this. Maybe as this right. develops and this podcast, we'll go ahead and cover the actual outcome. of. But this if that case. was
1: what you got for doing that, good gravy, that would be the, like, I, I mean, obviously you roll the dice, you could get nothing, right? The court could just say, we're not going to admit this pleading. We're not going to admit this into evidence. We're done. But the full swing of that is bar discipline, suspension, uh, fines and fees. You can, I mean, both those lawyers are at Gibson Dunn, So that's not going to look good on either partnership track or at the next partnership meeting of them getting kicked off of the equity team. Like well, you to, be, to be fair, the,
0: the Gibson Dunn partners were on the other, other side. side. Oh, okay, this out. Yes. They were oh, okay. the ones that okay. did the fake news. Yes.
1: All right. Well, they've done enough fake news in their own
0: time, um, right. but yeah. All right, uh, next Inray or dealer No Deal story here is Inray Kolb. Now, Mm -hmm. in this case, a client gets into an auto accident and a taxi in which he was riding collided with a car that was operated by the defendant. Now, my first thought was when I read this scenario was, is this case even from this century, a taxi? Mm -hmm. So people actually still use... Taxis, Chris, when was the last time you actually got into a taxi? Like
1: three weeks ago when I was in New York City. Like, New York legi- City. Legitimate, legitimately, you're in New York, you hail a cab to get to your next location, you don't have time to wait for Uber. But outside of New York City, I've legitimately all Uber or Lyft for the last probably yeah. five years.
0: I actually got this feeling when I was reading this opinion about, oh, a taxi cab, that I was reading some kind of Paul's graffy Long Island Railroad case. You know, maybe mm-hmm. uh, Judge uh, Cordoza was going to issue the opinion right. on there. You know, right. was like, what? How old is this case that we are dealing with a taxi situation? But as right. you said, New York City, I guess some places right. they still New York have City, taxis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, oh, so. Also
1: Washington, D.C. I see taxis a lot when I'm there. But personally, Lyft or Uber.
0: All right, so this lawyer signs up this injured guy as a client. Presumably, they signed a retainer as well. I assume they signed it in pen and then made carbon copies for everyone of all mm-hmm. since they are in last century. But hey, that aside, uh, they, they signed them up a, as their client. And then on November 6, 2017, the attorney was reviewing some information regarding the client's medical treatment. And so he could prepare a demand letter. And an employee of the firm sent him an email in which he told him the client is dead, so we cannot contact him directly. All right, Chris. Yeah. My first thought was, is this an example of the dangling idiot modifier? Or no, dangling idiot identifier. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Is this the the dangling Chad from... 2000 election with al gore and george bush in florida is that is no, that no no, dude. no I, i'm okay. talking
0: about that that comment that just dangles out there yeah. that identifies a speaker as being an idiot for example okay. let's say you go By to that. someone's house and you ask them do you have a restroom chris yes I, i'm this not sure that any of us have ever been in any uh. house that's not a museum that did not have indoor plumbing why do we ask if you have a restroom again the speaker of that question mm-hmm. is an idiot would you not agree
1: a hundred percent
0: yeah or 110 percent i, I uh, when, I'm, this. when i'm picking up my rental car the guy behind the counter says uh, hands me the keys have a nice vacation so what do i say you too you too you too what why enjoy your this? dinner you too yeah I actually did this just the other day. I was going to the gym to work out. And the the lady who took my, you know, my my card or whatever said I, I said, have a nice workout. And I said, you too. You too. So, why do we say that? I have no idea. But nonetheless, uh my client is dead, so we cannot contact him directly. Right. Why the need to point out directly? Why Kind of brings up the question of: Can you include a Ouija board expenses whenever you are submitting your expenses for reimbursement to the court? Maybe your professional clairvoyant fees are reimbursable as as cost. I don't know. So, so. how did did the lawyer handle this somber news? Well, on November eighth, he sent a demand letter where he demanded two hundred forty five thousand dollars. What was the basis? He demanded it to compensate his client for future pain and physical limitations and for injuries which he will likely result in significant arthritis. Chris, what am I missing here? Uh, really? Do dead people suffer from arthritis? I don't know the answer to that question. I,
1: I, I'm I, not that type of doctor, Joel, but I'm going
0: to have to go with no. You know what?
1: Mm, the, Here's another
0: I, thought. If the lawyer is discussing this matter through the clairvoyant to the client who is now yes. deceased, okay. is that does attorney-client privilege extends post mortem? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yes, attorney-client
1: privilege does extend post mortem. We know that because you can't give up your dead guy secrets, right? Okay. can we we know that. Um, my my concern is attorney-client privilege relates to the legal team, right? So it covers your paralegals, your secretaries is a clairvoyant included on the legal team is that someone that's protected under attorney client privilege because is it is clairvoyancy clairvoyantness osity is that is that a sound legal position a team
0: i um, i don't know these are all very I, yeah, good these are great questions, questions. but Who somehow he had to find out that in in the afterlife He's still yeah. suffering from some arthritis due right. to the, uh, the injury. And here's the
1: second question, Joel. We can bring this in. Every religion, every major religion on the face of the planet, Christianity, Judaism, Hinduism, um, uh, Islam, all of them believe that when you die, your body is perfected and you hurt no more. How can that be a prevailing theory of all the religions, all the major religions, not be taken into consideration with this clairvoyant. If if all of our bodies are perfected, once we cross over to the other side, under all major religions, so we can do the lemon tripartite test here, um, you won't have arthritis because your body is perfected. Hold on,
0: Chris. Not all major religions. What if you... Um... We're a bad boy or a bad girl, and you might not be going to where it's nice warm and sunny. So might this be impeachment evidence saying, oh, look, because he's now – if he is suffering from arthritis, that must mean he's a really bad person. This is the case. (laughs) This is the case to prove hell. Let's do this. Let's go. And he has other issues to worry about than just a simple
1: arthritis. Is that his damnation is arthritis? Like some people are burning at the stake, and his is just that he can't type really well?
0: Right, right, right. so he gets he gets busted for this because it's interesting to see how he gets for what reasons he gets busted by mm-hmm. the disciplinary committee. But one of the reasons here is that he submitted a a settlement counteroffer. So a, sell, a settlement counteroffer was given then to the um, uh, the client. Now, Chris, under Rule I believe it's one point four, we have an obligation under the Model Rules of Professional Responsibility mm-hmm. to communicate offers to our client within a reasonable period of time, mm-hmm. you know, these are right? information they need to know to make an right. informed decision on the case. And okay. so here they say, Hey, this is a problem. This whole setup is problematic because the lawyer cannot then present the $50,000 counter offer to his client because he was deceased. First of all, mm-hmm. committee wake up to the times. He could, have found some other way to communicate this offer. You got to think outside of the box, but yeah. in, in the reality, it's like really, you're gonna also punish him for right. not presenting this counter offer to his to dead his client.
1: client. Hey, if you can clairvoyant into your client and talk about arthritis, you should be able to communicate. It can't. It's not a two way. Like you don't get to do it one way, man. I think it's like apropos or poetic justice to be like, well, if you think that uh, you think for that, then you get to be able to present the offer. Let's do All this. Right.
0: Would you take a one-year suspension for what this lawyer did? After all, he failed to communicate the counteroffer to his deceased client.
1: No deal. I'll take the dice behind the door.
0: All right. You think this is too strict? I do do think it's too strict. I think a
1: monetary fine, maybe a three-month suspension or a slap on the wrist public reprimand. Let's unpack
0: the violations that he he would have uh, racked up. Uh, Number one, he doesn't really have a client here. His client is dead. Right. And so he is now entering into negotiations without a client. And so we have a lot of rules that require us to act in forthright, honest ways. Right. Here he seems to be not doing that. Uh, He's violating rule uh, 8.4, 4.1, all these different rules that require honesty by the lawyers when you're representing okay. a dead client and you're not saying your client did these things, or, you know, Hey, arthritis is a problem. We've been having fun with that, but clearly he's making that up. The client is not going to be suffering from arthritis right. in any compensable clear, way.
1: Clear. When you're su- so you you, you still taking one take year year suspension. I'm still not going to take it. I'm going to see what's what's behind the door. Let me see what's behind the door. All right. I'm going to go Sorry for it. Sorry to inform I'm not- you, Chris,
0: but you're going to come back next year again. This is another one that's pending. I am.
1: You're killing me right now, Joel. Like, I want to know if I get to practice law tomorrow for all those election fraud cases.
0: I am just trying to set up teasers so people come back and listen to our podcast throughout the year. So, all right. That being said, we – oh, by the way, this actually is a recitation of the various violations. The the committee said, hey, he failed to abide by his client's decision whether to accept an offer of settlement. All right. What? (laughs) By conduct, including accepting the settlement offer without authority – because he was deceased. All right. Again, it's a violation of Rule 1.2. Knowingly making false statements of material fact or law to a third person. We actually already pegged that one. And engaging in conduct involving dishonesty, fraud, and deceit and misrepresentation. All right. We pegged all the different uh, rules that were alleged there. All right. Mm -hmm. On to our next story here, Chris. Chris, if you are like most demented people, I'm I'm not saying you are a demented person, but let's just Mm -hmm. say you are like... you, You can you can put yourself in their shoes like most demented people Mm -hmm. um you have been fascinated about the whole concept of assassinators for hire yep chris i'm not saying you've ever looked into it but have you ever been at least intrigued Mm -hmm. by the concept of assassinators for hire
1: oh for sure i love a good i i was obsessed with the mafia during my my master's studies so i read all of the good like black mass books and all that stuff that talked about hitmen and taking care of your enemies all sorts of stuff i'm all about it all
0: right so yeah i'm not saying we're gonna do it but i'm Mm -hmm. just saying it fascinates us we watch movies you got mr and mrs smith the whole nine yards my favorite one one. is mr right i probably watched this one a thousand times but we're fascinated by it I just wonder in real life where would you find one i mean it's not like there's a store out there that call it's called Murder Mart or Bed Bath and the Bayonet, right? Ooh. Hey, buy one get one free. Th- those that. aren't things, right? There's no Black Friday deals on your assassinators. Well, that's true. How would one go about finding an assassinator for hire? So. Dark web. By the way, I'm not really right. wanting an answer here. Okay.
1: So you're like, Joel, as a, someone who's represented someone who's been charged with such a crime, I could tell you various locations on where you could find those things. Las Vegas is a good place to start.
0: Okay. Good. I was afraid you might start giving me actual numbers. Right. Oh, Joel called Bob. Bob's really good at what he so does. So you're going to
1: call the Four Seasons Landscaping, and you're going to ask for Rudy. <laughs> okay. Rudy is then going to direct you to this guy who owns Cyber Ninjas. Okay. Heat. No, there's a there's some places, Dark Web mainly.
0: Well, let's say you have some experience, maybe you have some experience now on, on these assassinators yep. for hire. Uh, yep. Here's another thought is would even going to the store to look for uh, options, should you be canceled for that? Is that something that in this cancel culture in which we live, that if you even go to that store... You should be canceled. I, I know here, comedian of law. We have a very right. strict no murder attempts policy. It, it is clear. something that will get you canceled from employment very, here. Very we clear. don't like people who have been shopping at that store. At the murder uh, store. Yeah, so, all right. Well, believe it or not, that is the subject of our next story. Should one be canceled from future employment just for hiring a hitman to whack someone? I know I know what you're saying. Ooh. Grow a spine, people. Come on, Jill. There, there's been worse things that have been done. Grow a spine. But just right out of the gate, do you think someone should be canceled just simply for trying to hire a hitman.
1: Were they convicted of trying to hire a hitman? Were they actually convicted of it, or is it accusations?
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Because if you were convicted of a crime, there's many jobs that you cannot be employed for for having that type of felony conviction on your record. I am of the mind if it's accusations, you don't know. It's innocent until proven guilty. Okay. So it's it's easier to cancel somebody for words that they've actually said out of their mouth because you watch them say it or you listen to them say it. If you are being accused of a crime, which hiring someone to kill someone is a crime, right? It's an overt act in the attempt of a murder. Um, Yeah, you shouldn't be allowed to work certain jobs. I don't want you to be a police officer if you're hiring hitmen.
0: All right, well, here's what happened. Between 2008 and 2011, this lawyer represented a client in a parentage matter, child custody issue. Of
1: course it's family law.
0: Of course. (laughs) Interesting. You know what, Joel? If you had not told me that, I would have said, this is a legal dispute involving family law. All right, well. Yeah, it involved child custody issues with a former girlfriend on behalf of this client. Let's call this um, this former girlfriend, girlfriend X. Okay. well, the lawyer, the lawyer who's representing a client who's in a custody dispute with girlfriend X. Well, the lawyer and girlfriend X then become romantically involved with the um, while the custody matter was pending. Now, Chris. You know that's not a good idea. Right. Right. You should not be having an affair with your client's ex-girlfriend. That just can't end well.
1: Never. It doesn't end. Anytime that you are involved as a lawyer and with any member, unless it's your own wife, any member of your client's family or client, it's going to end badly.
0: Right, I mean, his loyalties might get split here. He's supposed to owe his duty of loyalty to his client, but now if he has romantic feelings that he's living out with his the client's ex girlfriend, maybe the loyalties get a little bit, you know, off track here. Well, yeah. it that did happen. His loyalties did get sidetracked so much so that he went looking for deals at the Assassinator's R Us. He wanted to whack. He a client. Now, again, I don't have the faintest idea on how would one go about finding quality assassinators. You might know this, and Chris, is something you can speak to. Do they have Yelp reviews? Uh, maybe you can see how many stars the person has on Reddit. Is that a thing? No. Not no. No, no, no.
1: Well, maybe on Reddit. I mean, Reddit's pretty huge. But <laughs> highly doubted. Highly. Okay. Who leaves stars for a hitman? Right, great job. Hit the body well. Located at the bottom of Lake Mead. Find it in two years.
0: I'm just if you're in the market, that, that right. might be beneficial. It might it also might be, be beneficial. Yeah, to I doubt law there's a Yelp. There's not a Yelp for hitmen, right? Because when you give a
1: bad Yelp review, guess what happens? <laughs>
0: Touche. That is probably the best right. point made today I'm just who saying. would leave a negative review of a hitman? So saying. that's the problem here. It's not believable, right? right. That's Fake problem. news. Fake news. All right. Well, he did find someone who could do this this hit. And at the, their first meeting, the lawyer agreed to pay the assassin $20,000 to kill His client, the lawyer, was recorded telling the assassin that the client was bothering him and his family had dirt on him that could ruin his career. So the lawyer then stated he had gone to someone else six months previous to do the job, but had been ripped off. See, Chris, that's what I'm talking about. That's why if you had Yelp reviews, this could have been avoided. He could have been an informed purchaser of services. He was not. He got ripped off. And now he has to involve someone else in this hit man process. So, all right. The lawyer agreed to pay the assassin $1,500 up front and provided a description of the client. Now, Chris, as I'm reading this, I got, I got a little bit of sick to my stomach here. Is that really how it works? Oh, you know, and, and the person I want you to whack is, let's say, a six-foot two six foot three ish has a has a goatee i mean what kind of description are you going to offer them oh yeah well the person with blonde hair yeah could you go hit the
1: person over there that's a female identifying in a clothes and
0: drives a car right i mean what if the person said hey you know what i want you to kill this person he lives in shawnee he looks an awful lot like um tom cruise I would be nervous. I'm just saying that would cause me some sleepless nights. Yeah, it
1: should. It definitely should because you'd be like ten inches, you know, ten inches shorter.
0: Good point. All right. Well, that being said, uh, this person was not a hitman. He was a fake. He Ooh. was a uh, somehow this person in looking for would-be assassins. There are some some tips there that might tip people off. Say, hey, look, you know, this guy is looking for bad things. It was law enforcement, and they busted him. And this lawyer was sentenced to 102 months in prison and three years of supervised release. And okay. then he was also ordered to undergo a mental health evaluation. All right. That being said, here is the issue I want us to talk about. So this person hired a hitman to to assassinate his client. Should he be allowed back into the practice of law? Ooh. No,
1: no. You've committed a felony. I at least I would like to think that hiring a hitman has committed a felony. You've committed a felony in furtherance of a case that you are working on, which shows your inability to reason or be competent in that practice of law. So I
0: think you should be done. Interesting that you mentioned case that he was working on. Uh, in fact, that actually was a deal to the, the, the committee. And right. So let's go ahead and read from the committee's opinion there. Uh, they, they said... Um, 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 well, basically, the bottom line is that he actually said that he paid him and he mixed up his the murder, the hiring someone with his actual representation, and that was a problem. And so let's go ahead and read yeah. from the, the synopsis of the, the report and recommendation. that he yeah. failed to demonstrate that he fully acknowledges the nature and yes. seriousness of both his criminal conduct and his inappropriate relationship with an opposing party. Right. Chris, do you need to include... Do you need to include that second part, really? Don't you think that I'm hiring a hitman to take out my client is enough? You don't even need. It. Oh, and by the way, he had an inappropriate romantic relationship with his. Cl- I'm not sure that actually is needed in this we, context. We call that a coffin nail,
1: right? Okay. That is that is that is the. We're gonna hit you with everything we got, so you understand that we are driving this home. Like, does it need to? Does it need to be omitted? Sure does. But do we slap at you across the face with it to make sure you understand how stupid you are 100%? All
0: right, there you go. Well, let's go on to our next uh, deal or no deal story now. This is Enray Jackson. Now, I think lawyers are like anyone else, and they really desire to have this kind of moment. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So, have you ever done that with your clients? No. Have, you, have your clients ever done that to you? Hey, yes. Chris, I want you to scream and shout. Show me the money.
1: Yes. I really. I have. I have been yelled at because they want to make more money off of
0: their case. Interesting. All right. But I will not I be
1: actually, screaming "Show me the money" anytime soon.
0: I By exactly the way, what? shout out
1: to Cuba Gooding Jr. for wearing the ASU sweatpants in that scene
0: okay that, that, that was your take from that scene The ASU yep. sweatpants that's exactly what it was because i've seen that movie a million times you know i've yet to see this movie i, I, I want to watch Ooh. it here i actually went looking for it last week could not find it but of course everyone knows about that scene yep. show me the money well this oh, yeah. lawyer uh basically lived out that scene so here's what happened the um and this lawyer filed a, a lawsuit on behalf of a client in D.C. Superior Court against the Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority. Again, they also did not want okay. to use taxis; they wanted to use the the Metropolitan Area Transit Authority there in Washington. And the complaint alleged that the client had been a passenger on a Yellow Line train and had suffered damages when the train became uh, when the train had an accident and or was filled with smoke. All right. So that being said, what happened was the client then died and passed away this lawyer did some work and so through the process of this in a sealed court order the court approved a settlement in this case and the defendant agreed to pay as part of the settlement five thousand dollars directly to this lawyer as attorney's fees because even though the lawyer didn't technically represent someone the lawyer did some work and so that's what they they offered her five thousand dollars again this was a sealed court order yeah Okay, do so you understand what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, well, the lawyer did not like the payment process. Thought it was being a little bit too slow there. So she posted on Twitter, uh, excerpts from the court's sealed order. Mm. N- not a good idea. It, it, if, oh. the, if The court puts a little seal. I am thinking that is probably saying not nope. for Twitter, right? right? Is that a fair reading? That is, no, that is 100% fair reading. 1,000% okay. fair reading emails from the the other side's attorney, a picture of the other side's attorney, a news article regarding the the accident and the words where's my cash. In other words, show, show me, me the money. money. Yep. Yeah. The the lawyer didn't stop there. The lawyer then tagged on this tweet several high profile personalities including Donald Ooh. Trump First Lady Melania Trump and U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn, as well as several other major news outlets, including ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, and The Washington Post and The Hill. Again, let's go back to the idea of this was a sealed order. Not a good idea then to contact every single media news outlet in the country when you're dealing with a sealed order. So, uh, 90-day suspension, Chris. Would you take a 90-day suspension for this tweet? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That seems like a an easy yes, right? Like, you you violated a court-sealed order by putting it on the Internet. You're inciting, essentially, people to understand and know that this is the person that is causing you the problems. You're saying that they contributed to the death of your person, and you want more money for it. 90-day suspension? I'm good. I'm good. Let's walk away.
0: All right. Sounds good, Chris. I hate to do this to you one more time, but... Come back next year. This is another lawsuit we are just setting up, and we'll be following it on this podcast for the rest of the year. All right, one more case I want to throw by you. This one I just love. Chris, do you you think that we live in a day and age where we're a little bit looser with our tongues? Yes. Yes, we are. 100%. Do you have any idea why? I'm thinking go back to the 1967 or 71 lawsuit, Supreme Court. It was it was co my
1: California.
0: Yeah, F God. the draft. Yeah. And then you, you have this case recently last year with us, custom cheerleader. You got yep. Ian Brunetti. I, I won a FUCT on my Federal Register trademark for it. We'd yes. love to say bad words. Chris right. White is that does that say something bad about our society?
1: No, I think language evolves as societies grow, whether it's slang, colloquialism, what's bad words, what's, what's okay. I mean, you can look back in, in the history of America and there are words that were used regularly that nobody had a problem with that were racial slurs that now we are like gasping and grabbing pearls at if anybody drops. Um, I, and I also think there's some shock value in it, right? If it's a swear word, people want to say it more right. and see what your reaction is. And since we live in a shock value society right now right? Everybody wants to get on the news real quick or everybody wants to do something where they get, they get social media clout. So I don't, I don't see, I mean, I see them, the increased use of language, but again, it goes back to like, do you feel you can express yourself in a manner that is much more efficient than dropping an F bomb? Sometimes. Yes. Sometimes it hurts like a muff and you just have to drop the M the F bomb in there. Um, so i I see it used more often it makes me sad i have students who come in here and think it's okay to drop it during class time or like when they're trying to win an argument and they drop an f-bomb and that's immediately where i'm like you just lost you literally just lost because you became so irrational that you needed to swear to get your point across and that's not good lawyering
0: well chris i am glad you said the shock concept because i'm about to shock you now with how bad It has gotten. You painted a pretty bleak picture. Right. I'm gonna decimate. I'm gonna okay. blow up that picture. You just painted on how bad the the state of our language has gotten. Are, are you ready mm-hmm. for this? I am. Hit me. Okay. So, so in this matter, in Ray uh, Tholander, uh, this uh-huh. is an issue where this lawyer was in court, could not control uh. his language. And Chrissy nope. got ugly. Maybe this is the time I should put some disclaimer on here. Yep. Uh, if there are any young children, please do not listen to the rest of this podcast. Come back in. If you, of course, if you want your gambling takes little kiddos, I get that. Come yeah, back yeah. later, I'll give you the gambling tips. But right. I don't want to say this language in front of you. It, it's just, it's not pleasant. It's, yeah, so here's it's not pleasant. What, here's what happened. The court said, All right, I'm going to allow the testimony. Go ahead, Mr. Coster. So Mr. Thunderlander said something. And the court said, I'm sorry. Say it a little louder, Mr. Tholander. Mr. Tholander said, oh, gadzooks. Of course, we're going to take a five-minute <laughs> recess. <laughs> okay. Chris, I love it. Good Oh, grade. gadzooks. Really? Oh, gadzooks. Right. Is that like shock you? Is that shocking language?
1: I can't, I can't heart <laughs> palpitations. Yeah. Right.
0: You're thinking hilarious. I'm joking, right? You, you, you think I'm, I'm pulling your leg?
1: No, I think that actually happened. So I, I legitimately believe that actually happened.
0: It gets worse. Let's read. The court says, Mr. Tholander, if you make one more comment that's offensive to this court, I will hold you in contempt of court. Wow. Mr. Tholander said, Gadzooks is offensive to the court. You are now in contempt of court. I am fighting you. $1,000. Ask another question, Mr. Bestinzi. Mr. Tholander says, may, may I ask the court? You are not $2,000. Ask another question, Mr. Lawyer. All right, then it goes on. So, yeah, in the, basically what, what the court said was he said Gadzooks repeatedly. It was offensive. Uh, again, testimony of, of Kevin Best. He said uh, that Kevin testified that the respondent yelled Gadzooks for the first time. The respondent was walking back to his table from where he was questioning the witness and mumbled very, very lowly under his breath the word Gadzooks. When uh, his impression as to why the respondent said Gadzooks was that it was simply the slight sign of exasperation. So, yeah, uh, oh, there you man. go. Um, the rule is 3.5 Lawyers should not engage in conduct intended to disrupt a tribunal. Uh, and fo- we find the administrator did not meet his burden of proof. Oh, so basically, the bo- I guess I should have uh, prefaced this. Do you think he should be uh, disciplined for saying gadzooks? I, no, but
1: like. Maybe like – if it was disrupting the court, if he was being a jerk about it and he was using it to to throw the judge off or throw the attorneys off, yeah, that's a problem. It doesn't matter the word. The word could be the. You could just keep saying the, 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 and it could be annoying to the court. But if it was – if the guy said gadzooks is a swear word and it set off the judge, right, that's a whole different story. But if he was doing it purposely to disrupt the flow of the attorneys or the, the processes, yeah, it could, be, it could be a 3.5 rule.
0: Well, the reviewing panel did say this by no means do we excuse the lawyer's misconduct, but neither do we find it particularly serious given oh, yeah. that it occurred at one on one afternoon of a four day trial caused no harm oh, yeah. to the parties and caused only a short right. delay in the proceedings. All right. So there you go. that is the actual outcome of that case. Uh, if I gave you a public reprimand, would you nope. take that deal? Nope, not even a little bit. I would fight yeah. that all the way to the all the way to the bank. All right, good. And they actually received a public reprimand. That's all that he got. But just to be clear here, Chris, during this podcast, feel free to say Zeus" as many times as you want. I'm not sure that's actually going to be a violation of our standard. Nope, that's a fine word.
1: That's actually a better word than some of the words we could be using. Right? That's a better expletive than some of the words I've used in my past. All
0: right, there you go. I love that. All right. Now let's transition to the interview I had with... Um, by Carrie Phillips over how to be funny. Joining us today is Carrie Phillips, lawyer slash comedian slash public speaker slash spokesperson for the Betting Betters Anonymous group. Uh, hey, Carrie, thanks so much for joining us today. Joel, thanks so much for having me. Now, Carrie is a good friend. We like to go out and do some stand-up comedy. We like to go out there and watch the games to see how our money likes to fly away. Hey, that's another life. Maybe we can someday be professional betters. I don't know. But, Carrie, the reason why I brought you on today is I want to talk about how to be funny. Now, Carrie, you and I both go to these stand-up comedy clubs. Carrie, would it be fair to say that you and I are kind of Uh, oddballs at these stand-up comedy joints. Uh, You you know what I'm trying to say here?
2: Well, I will speak for myself, Joel. I'm usually 40 years older than most of the other comedians that are there. Uh, Quite frankly, a lot of the references that they make, I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, The audience, when there's an audience out there, a lot of times they are laughing. And uh, so obviously what they said was funny. I can tell by their delivery that what they said was delivered well. I just didn't quite understand
0: it. Okay, now that's kind of funny because in my, the back of my mind, where I was going with this was the importance of keeping it clean and staying away from blue comedy, all the jokes about sex, and you lead off by saying you have no idea what they are talking about. I don't want to go there, Carrie. Uh, okay. I, I I know you're happily married, but nonetheless, <laughs> yeah, it, you and I, see, here's the deal. You and I are in corporate America. We, we, right. We're both lawyers. We like to use comedy in our professional gig as compared to some of these others. I'm just going out have to do comedy to try get someone to laugh. Right. So that's what I want to talk about here right out of the gate. How can you write jokes to make someone laugh and then also earn some money at the end of the day? In other words, use it in your corporate structure, in your corporate environment. I- any thoughts on using comedy professionally? You-, you know what I'm trying to say, in your corporate environment?
2: Well, yeah, I've always used uh, in the presentations that I give, I've always used comedy as a uh, as a segue sometimes from one topic to another, or and a humorous anecdote to make whatever point that I'm trying to uh, uh, to make. Uh, people enjoy the idea of of having an opportunity to laugh a little bit. Uh, you're absolutely right. When you do open mics, a lot of times there's a lot of um, of blue material that is uh, going uh, going on. That's not something that uh, that we're interested in. Uh, there is one rule in comedy, and that is that it, it's got to be funny. And so, <laughs> what you want to do is you want your comedy uh, to be such that it will it, it's relatable to the people to to, to that particular audience. Yeah, uh, a good, well, good night some... audience at a comedy store. It might be a little bit different, but what we're doing uh, corporate wise. Uh, it needs to. It needs to be presented a little differently.
0: All right, so I'm going to play a video clip of of a stand up routine that you did recently, and I believe you did this because you you entered into some kind of contest. You had to submit this beforehand. You had to get accepted to appear at this venue, uh, doing a you know one of their their featured performers. It, it was a hilarious performance. So I'm going to play this clip, and then I want you to talk a little bit about how you wrote those jokes, how is it you became funny. Because this actually is really funny material. So let's play this clip, and then I want you to unpack it for us.
2: Well done. I have been married for 38 years. <laughs> to four different women. <laughs> now it's the uh, same woman. i got. I got to have a shout-out to because I'm very happy with her. After 38 years, maybe you can relate. She still goes to the trouble of acting like my opinion matters. <laughs> okay, a little bit about my family. All of us are in humor in one form or another. My younger daughter, Tess, she is the associate producer for a musical improv group called Baby Wants Candy. They just did 55 shows at the French Festival in Edinburgh, Scotland. My wife wrote a best-selling book called Do Your Laundry or You'll Die Alone. It advice a mom would give if she thought you were listening. It was the featured book in Oprah Winfrey's Mother's Day newsletter. Wow. And my daughter, Taylor K. Phillips, is a comedy writer for John Oliver's television show. Wow. Last week, tonight, and last month, Taylor won an Emmy Award. Wow. Let's talk about my comedy career. <laughs> Most recently, I started a stand-up set at at Barrel of the <laughs> bottom And I say recently, I started it about 90 seconds ago, so I'm crushing it, too. <laughs> now, there are some differences. They get paid. <laughs> I don't get paid. You know what I get? I get a light... Stephen shows the light in the back of the ring. You know what the light means? Well, the light means carry, stop. For the love of God, stop. You want these people to have a good time, enjoy their evening? Walk toward the light. <laughs> I did said a couple of weeks ago, got the light, walked off. And on the guy, and I said, was that really five minutes? He said, I don't know, it sure felt like it. <laughs> and that was a friend of mine. That was a friend of mine. So you got to understand, comedians are hard on other comedians. But it doesn't matter what they would do with me out here. When I go back home, it's worse. Let me give you some examples. I have sleep apnea. I stop breathing when I sleep. I did the overnight test. I came home told the family, and so the doctor said I quit breathing 55 times during the night. To which my younger daughter Jess said, "Oh, so you don't just die on stage doing your stand-up comedy, huh?" <laughs> I said, no, Tess, I branched out.
0: <laughs> he said, good for you. I do a little
2: bit of acting. I went out to Hollywood uh, last year and uh, made a movie. It comes out in December. I played judge in the movie. So what do you think? Did you see me as a judge? Oh, yeah. I played judge in the movie. Spoiler. I get murdered in the movie. (laughs) I came home with all the family, my older daughter dinner says, Oh my gosh, Dad, now you can tell people you've died on both stage and screen. (laughs) Tess says in bed, he dies in bed. Don't forget about that. (laughs) I'll tell you my final joke. Or might be my first joke, depending on how you think it (laughs) was. My daughter Tess is here, and she recently graduated from college. And she got a degree in WGS. Anybody know what WGS stands for? Women's and Gender Studies. Yep. <laughs> I paid for my daughter to get a four year degree in Women's and Gender Studies. WGS. She told me to stop telling everybody she got her degree in WTF. (laughs) Somebody asked me one time, they said, are you making fun of your daughter's degree? I said, well, you're making fun of it. I don't really understand it, so I'll make a joke about it. Why? Because I'm an American. And that's what we do. I mean, what's the alternative? Talk to her about it? (laughs) Expand my knowledge on the subject? Thoroughly re-examine every opinion and belief I have held my entire life? I don't know. That seems like a whole lot of work. So I've decided I'm just going to continue to revel in my ignorance and say absolutely outrageous things which cause people to look at me and slowly shake their head in a mixture of both sympathy and abject disgust. Sort of like you're doing right now, that's what I'm going for. Thank you so much.
0: Man, that's great stuff. So how did you feel when you went up there to do that event?
2: Well, I was excited. I do a lot of uh, open mic uh, comedy, and a lot of times the audience is made up primarily of other comedians that are getting ready to go on. They're working on material. This was an actual audience. So it was a lot of fun. There was also some gray hair in the audience, which was nice. And so, uh, you know, they were receptive to it. So that's always fun. Now I do
0: have to ask this question. So I heard near, near the end there, you made some joke, like, Hey, I'm going to tell my, my joke. It might, it might be my first joke of the night. It's something like that. The person close to the camera just laughed really, really loud. I mean, was that your daughter?
2: Uh, that was not my daughter. Uh, okay. That was the person two, uh, uh, two chairs down from her. They told me about that later. That, uh, that young woman did come up to me. She, for whatever reason, she thought that was funny.
0: <laughs> that, that was, that was pretty loud, but all right. Well, nonetheless, let's go through the process on how you came up with a set. It was a great set. I don't know if you put a stopwatch on it. maybe it was a, a three or four minute set. Uh, but man, it went by quickly. It had so many different laugh points per minute. Uh, definitely was a headline kind of performance. Did you write it like on the way there? I mean, to walk us through the process on how you came up with that set.
2: Well, uh, those were things that I had done at one time or another, uh, at various open mics. And what you do at an open mic is that anybody can go up usually for three to five minutes, and you can work on a set. Sometimes you will hear the comedian say, uh, we are, we're in the gym, aren't we? And that means they're working on their material. And so uh, I had worked out this these various jokes, these various ideas at different uh, open mics uh, is, is how it, uh, it got started. But one of the things that a, a more uh, experienced comedian said, because most of the time people will not know me, said you need to do a joke very quickly. And so I tell the joke and I say, I've been married 38 years, you know, and everybody kind of applauds. And then I say to four different women, which is a joke, but then I I get the laugh. And what they said was, a Jerry Seinfeld, very established comedians, they can tell a rather long story because people know there's going to be a punchline. With you, they don't know, so that you need to do something that's pretty funny very quickly. And then the second one that I do is, yeah, I've been married 38 years. And I still love the fact that my wife still goes to the trouble of acting like my opinion matters. Once again, that's just a tag on that other joke. And so that was kind of the setup, so that I could start. A lot of times with uh, comedians, what you want to talk about is something that you know. Uh, our, uh, my family, we in one form or another, we're all involved in comedy, and so I talk about that. And I think of in terms of the uh, stories that I could tell that might uh, be that the audience might think is funny so that's kind of how I did it I didn't time it but I knew in my head that it was about uh about about five minutes which is what it was supposed to be
0: okay so so did you actually just sit down and you know your computer and just say hey I'm going to open mic night tonight I need some jokes I better start typing does it just like uh um do you think of what's funny Do 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 you have a formula you follow uh as as you're writing jokes or does it just come to you
2: well, it's a variety of ways. And as an attorney, you know, a economist's response to any question is, compared to what? An attorney's response to any question is, it depends. And with regard to your question, the answer is, it depends. Sometimes what I've found that the process that I have right now, especially about company, is, be, is to be deliberate about it. And that is sometimes I'm intentionally trying to think of things that are funny. Other times, just ideas come to me But if if somebody says or does something that makes me laugh or I have some type of an emotion about it, then I'm saying, well, is there a way to make that funny? And then other times I decide that I'm consciously going to try to think of a joke about something. I uh, was going out to my car one time. I said, I'm going to make a joke while I'm here about something. And I saw a sign that said maternity store. And so I said, I'm going to write a maternity joke. And by the time I got to the gym where I was headed over there, I had written a maternity joke. And the joke went like this. Uh, The idea was my wife and I went out shopping the other day. She's in the store. She's going over to this uh, rack of clothes. She puts up something to her and she says, hey, 70% off. What do you think? And I said, I think you're 63 years old and we're in a maternity store. That's what I think. Maybe on the way home, we'll stop by that discount uh, pet store, pet food store and, and buy dog food for that dog we don't own. You know, something along those lines. And so you get the the major joke and then you, uh, the primary joke, and then you get the tag. But I did find earnest. out from other comedians that how do you write good jokes? And the way that you write good jokes is you write a lot of jokes. Ah, and that is you did, you did this one. And the biggest one that they said, Joel, which uh, resonated with me, and they said, you have an idea of what you think is funny. Listen to the audience. They will, they will tell you if, if that audience thinks it's funny, listen to the feedback. And that was very valuable to me. And Good you'll help. see that uh, what I found out was that in that little clip, uh, that you need to give the audience permission to laugh because if you're doing, you know, if it's going okay, they want to laugh, but they don't want to miss anything. And so what I learned from doing that is if I tell what I think is a punchline, then I will drop the mic. I will put the mic by myself so they know that I'm not going to say anything for a minute, which kind of gives them permission to laugh. And then when I go back here, I say something and then I can, I can drop the mic. There were just little techniques that I learned from doing this. And then from also watching other comedians.
0: Fascinating. I, I, I think one of the classic formulas for joke writing is if you can do some kind of play on words or or concepts so it it means two different things and whenever the audience kind of sees that that's a common formula to to elicit laughter and you had that all throughout your your set there like the walk towards the light you know you're dying on stage but you're also actually dying that's what they say oh you see a light walk towards the light um that was just comedy gold right there um you know i branched out People, yes, you, yes. people usually hear that concept. Of, oh, you branch out, do different things, and then of course I think you had a condescending uh, little comment, like "good for you" right afterwards. Just full of so many different. Do you, do you have a favorite joke in here?
2: Well, well, it's interesting when I when I did that uh, that particular joke. Is I did it several times at different places, and one time just off the cuff, I said I branched out, and people laughed. Once again, I listened. You know, I listened to the audience. I hadn't done that before, and then uh, one other time, just I said my daughter had said good for you about something else, but I said, and good for you. And the, and the audience laughed and said, okay, they think this is funny. So, uh, uh, this is what I will do. But to your point, if, if you're, if you're being conscious about it, I was, uh, I was in Florida a while back and, uh, and I opened the door to go into this restaurant and then you talk about playing on words, that is that if you have a featured performer and then you are going on before that featured performer, then you are opening for the performer. And right. so I ended up writing the whole thing about I opened the door for a famous comedian. Hey, I can tell people that I opened for you. And I ended up doing a five minute bid on that, but it came from one little idea. And then you try to just expand on it and, and see where it goes.
0: Interesting. Now, do you like to be edgy in your material?
2: Well, I I appreciate you know edgy. That's really not my lane. You know, I I have done it a couple of times, but I do kind of I, I do kind of think it's important. I remember years and years ago, Arsenio Hall did a uh, an interview with uh, Eddie Murphy, and it, Arsenio asked Eddie Murphy he said, "Is there any?" line you wouldn't cross is there any subject that is taboo and eddie murphy said it's got to be funny you can't just be provocative you just can't use swear words you just can't you know it, it, if it, if that's all you're doing then you they call it clapter. uh all you you're just it's 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 not funny and it, it's got to be funny and then i found out that um uh, Second City, I guess, sometimes in, in uh, workshops that they do on one particular day or one particular exercise they will do is I want you to get together and collaborate. And I want you to write a five minute bit or a 10 minute bit that will never see the light of day because it is too outrageous. And they found huh. out after they did that is that what, what they're looking for is the line. Where is the line? Because the line is is constantly changing.
0: Do you think people nowadays almost fear that, especially if you're trying to do corporate comedy? I know in my mind, I'm always paranoid. Like, if I put something out there, it's always going to be out there forever and a day. I don't even know how you get something off the internet. And then maybe I'm trying to land a, a client at some point in time. I'm arguing in front of a court and, and you said something that's now taken out of context. Boom, you're canceled. I mean, I what? do you think comedy maybe steering away from this edginess that it used to define or at least be a part of its
2: past? Well, I can just tell you anecdotally what I've heard. There are some comedians with which I'm aware they're not quite as comfortable uh, going on some college campuses. And that, and in fact, sometimes they're given some idea of, of what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. Uh, quite frankly, for paid opportunities, the whole idea is to have some fun it's not to necessarily have a message. That's why I think right. the corporate, the whole idea is we're going to relax. We've been talking about some intense things. So we're going to have a little fun. So it really depends on what the uh, uh, what the venue is. Uh, the joke that I tell about my daughter's degree, uh, that is the first time that I ever did that uh, and talk about, you know, yep, you know, I paid for my daughter to get a degree and, you know, WGS, WTF, and that's where, Sometimes there is a pause. People are not sure if I'm going to cross that line. Right. And then right. I go ahead and, and talk about, you know, it's it's more self-deprecating. You know, the idea that, you know, what would I do? Talk to her about it. And so then, if you will, it makes them a little bit more relaxed. But right. I am not a, a, a real that what I'm trying to do is not really provocative. I appreciate it. I quite frankly think and some and sometimes it's uh it's it's interesting. It's necessary, but that's not really my lane.
0: Okay, so so Lenny Bruce. and who, who, you you heard of Lenny Bruce? Oh sure. Did you actually were you ever actually a fan of his
2: comedy? Well, I I was because of his delivery. You know, he was one of the few people. Uh, there there are uh, comedians. There are uh, rock stars, etc. When they get out there, they seem kind of bored. With what they're right. doing because they're like semi kind of cool and i never really you know like that but lenny bruce for whatever reason it, it's kind of like he just went out there and just started riffing on something right and it, what it what it didn't look like it was always well thought out and and but he said very you know provocative things and i found that in looking at those clips i found i found that to be interesting the way that he did it
0: now he liked it definitely push the boundaries, uh, you know, with his material, he was involved in a lot of different litigation involving, you know, obscene material was his, his material obscene, which I find just fascinating from the perspective of today, like no one would consider that kind of heck it would be on the 10 o'clock TV now, but back then, like, let's arrest the guy and throw him in jail. Yeah, and I'm also thinking like Dave Chappelle nowadays, where you know his stuff is kind of edgy. It's it's pushing the envelope a little bit. I would never be able to get away with the stuff that David Chappelle says. At least I I don't think I would. So I'm kind of a coward. I wouldn't even go there. I'm just wondering what role does the council culture play in a lot of these comedians? Are are because you know, one of the things about comedians is I, I know the rules. You always punch up. You don't punch down. You right. don't want to make fun of people. But still it's kind of what we do. We make fun of people, you know, and you, you try to do it lightheartedly. I'm almost wondering if it, you, you can't even do
2: that anymore. Well, I have, a, I have a business background, Joel, like you do a legal background, and I did a lot of work in, in process improvement. And the idea is that how do you identify be, uh, best practices? You identify best practices by looking at practices. And that is how do you determine what is good comedy? Well, you, you determine what is good comedy or good jokes by looking at a whole lot of jokes. And you, you've got to absolutely try those jokes out. But was a little bit concerning to me about the Lenny Bruce things is there were, there were comedians that when they went on television, Red Fox comes to mind for right. other people, they had blue humor that were on their albums. Uh, talk to your kids and, uh, Older attorneys out there, they'll, they'll and, uh, and what you're, the older people tell your kids what an album is, but the whole idea is that they would do these rather blue material. But on television, they did not do that because it was understanding there was a broader audience, and so that was that was acceptable in the uh, in the concerts or the shows that they did in a particular venue, but it wasn't acceptable on television. But When they started looking at it or censoring the people that didn't own the place, I had, if you will, a little bit of trouble with that because the people that are going there came to hear this particular um, individual. And one of the things they say about, especially at comedy shows, is that a lot of times there is a warning that, uh, at least they, they advise people, that we do not vet here and right. so sometimes you will hear very funny things sometimes you hear things that are not particularly funny and sometimes you hear people say things you go what in the world was that right, but right. it is an open place where people are trying things out and 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 they're just trying to tell jokes and sometimes it lands and sometimes it doesn't but I'm I have a little bit of a of a problem just you know self-censoring until you just until you flesh it out especially right. in a place where everybody understands that's what's going to happen. Sometimes it will land. Sometimes it won't.
0: I'm working on material right now that I think it could fit into this whole council culture thing. I mean, it, so part of the thought is if you want to make a difference in a certain area, you want to expose it for being, you know, wrong, idiotic, whatever, you're going to have a little bit of fun. You're poking fun of an idea. You're poking fun sure. of a person who maybe supports that idea. I don't know. So you're you're on dicey ground, if you will. So what I'm working on now is this idea. It's the election season, right? Sure. My, my, and my idea is that maybe we should have more restrictions on voting. People say, "Oh no, you, voting! Everyone go out there and vote. Doesn't matter who you vote for. Just vote." And uh, we got to make it as easy as possible to go cast your vote. And my thought is why Why we are electing the most important position in the history of the world, right? The president of the United States, the leader of the most powerful economy and the most powerful military. Shouldn't we have, I don't know, some qualifications like before you go cast your vote, you maybe you can tell me one of the names on the ballot, something like that. If you can't even find a way to get an ID, Maybe you shouldn't be having a voice in who is the leader of the free world. I, I don't. That's just my thought. So I'm working on this material, and I gotta tell you, Carrie, I'm nervous because I'm well, afraid
2: I, if, if I you, go there, you might want to. I mean, there, there's just there, I'm looking at it first, not from what the response is, but just the idea. Of, I think it's funny. I mean, the whole idea, Jeff Foxworthy, you might be a redneck, or right. you might not be a a voter. You know, a, a voter. You might not be considered a good voter if And then you come up with whatever the jokes are. Uh, And and the idea that it's on the opposite side of what everybody thinks, that's what I think, the outrageous part of it, uh, that some people would consider outrageous is kind of fun. There's a friend of mine, uh, uh, Will Francis, that does a whole thing about, uh, I'm paraphrasing greatly, but he he talks about the fact that there, we talk about saving the animals, et cetera. There's way too many animals. We need to get rid of them. And he's got this whole thing, it's outrageous, it's provocative, I think it's very, very funny, because it's like, whoa, he went the entire opposite direction. I I think that's funny.
0: It's almost like by being outrageous, by by kind of exposing the idiocy on certain kind of ideas and taking it to its logical extreme, it is a persuasive technique. You do open people's sure. eyes. And so, yeah. You know, when Lenny Bruce is doing this, he has his He's trying to expose the corruption and, and power in the church and things like that. So he had his, his message, if you will, and the the method of of relaying the message. Yeah. It ruffled some feathers, but it also got their attention so they could hear his message.
2: Right. Well, I
0: guess that's where as a, from a legal perspective, you have to ask yourself, is that why we have the First Amendment, to allow for this kind of thing uh, to go on? Have you have you ever been canceled?
2: Uh, no, it heckled a little bit uh, on uh, on one particular thing. And that was, actually, it was the uh, WGS joke. And really? that is, it wasn't, wasn't really heckled. It was just kind of, like, ooh, like he's going close to the line there. And then right, I right. did the self-deprecating part of it. And if you will, I kind of brought them back. But I don't really dip too deep in uh, in that area at all. But no, you're absolutely right. George Carlin also comes to mind, the words that can never actually be said. I mean, right. it's words that people are saying that, uh, that that shouldn't be said or that some people think uh, uh, shouldn't be said. I, for me, so often is it's the... Um, it's the venue. It's it's what what is the venue? What is acceptable in this venue? Uh, because I don't have to tell you, and, and this is a fact. Uh, there are a lot of pros with that. There are some cons, but I can say pretty uh, clearly that Americans, especially Americans, really don't like to be told what to do. Okay, <laughs> if you tell an American to do something, their first instinct, if if you will, a lot of times is to resist. Is that good or bad? Well, it could be either, but they really don't like it. If you tell an American they can't say something, you tell an American, they don't always, uh, they don't always like that. And there's some potential uh, humor in that, I think.
0: All right, great. Great last thought there. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today, Carrie, and best of luck in the future. And let me know when you want to go out and do some more open mic nights.
2: Absolutely. I will certainly do it. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks for having me.
0: It is now time for Courtroom Quarterback, our favorite time of the week when we get to talk football, and whether or not anyone else is listening, we don't care. We like football that much. All right, Chris. It's our favorite. Let's pile on. Nothing is better, more fun in football than to do Uh, a dog pile. Were you ever involved in a dog pile? Did you play football? Of course.
1: Well, I played rugby because I'm a real man, and... Uh, yes, very much involved in
0: a scrum, as we like to call it. I see. So you, you jump on the dog pile. It's like the pile on. It's like, look, yep. dude, the guy's already tackled. He's already down. You don't need to yep. pile on. Well, we jump are right going to pile on here our two favorite quarterbacks that we like to be on the bottom of those dog piles, one oh, yeah. Tom Brady and then, of course, one Aaron Rodgers. They oh, seem yes. to be maybe going in different directions. Is Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers is he gonna be benched? There actually is rumor. There is rumor. The Packers might bench your bud, Aaron Rodgers.
1: Absolute best friend in the whole wide world. Best friend. You know what? Look, man, his performance against the Lions, you can only blame wide receivers so much. Leadership, right? There is no leadership, no cohesiveness out on the field right now. Aaron Rodgers is just not putting out the $100 million that he's getting
0: from the wonderful people of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Here, Here's my take on it. This is all Aaron Rodgers' fault. Why do I say that? He was not there during the offseason season workouts. It's like, no, he's too all. good. He doesn't have to play during preseason. He doesn't have to show Nothing. up to OTAs. Why? Nothing. He's Aaron Rodgers. Well, yeah, right. I get that. But unless you can throw and catch the ball, Dude, you yeah. got to be on the same page with your receivers, and you mm-hmm. see right now they're not on the same page. They're they right. don't, he doesn't know what routes they're running. Yes, in the past he had his buddy Adams out there running routes. Well, Devontae mm-hmm. Adams is now messing up things in Las Vegas. That's a whole another story. Yeah, it's, but still, I mean, Aaron, you have to lead a
1: team, right? You lead the team, and you do everything you can to lead a team. Joe Montana led a team, you know. Um, you see the same problem actually with Kyler Murray, right? Kyler isn't leading his team either, and they're doing crap as well. But then you look at guys like Geno Smith, that isn't yes. just a leader on the team, Russell Wilson, right? Not leading the Broncos, they're going nowhere, but Geno Smith leading the team, Jimmy G, right? Garoppolo in San Francisco, he's he is a, a humble leader leading the team. And owning his mistakes and owning the down the downfalls of the Niners or of the Seahawks and coming back out there and putting up numbers. You gotta be humble. You gotta be a servant leader at this point.
0: Really, being a quarterback is about being a leader, it's about leading your team, mm-hmm. not just pure athleticism. And Aaron Rodgers, right. why has he not been to the Super Bowl in a decade? Over a decade, it's because he is not Leadership. a leader of his team. He is a right. phenomenon when it comes to quarterback skill so yeah go mm-hmm. take him in some kind of skills contest where you gotta throw the ball 100 yards through a a, um, a tire you know, or whatever higher yeah. then you know he'll sure he'll take second place after Mahomes. i get that <laughs> but he's not a leader on the field he's not yep. motivating his place he's not there during otas to to Nothing. make sure him and his receivers are on the same path because it, yep. it's weird we think oh you run a route you run 10 steps then you make a cut to the right no, that's not what it's like in football. Basically you line up and then you look at the defense. And then you know the defense is gonna shift once the ball snapped because defenses like to, you know, hide what they're actually doing. So they're in the spur of the moment. You gotta make a decision. Oh, based upon this thing that I'm seeing from the defenders, I'm gonna now go this direction. Right. And when that's being that decision is being made in real time, the quarterback then has to throw the ball, and there's right. this concept concept of you throw your receiver open. So they have to be on the same page here with these mm-hmm. guys. Yeah,
1: it's situational, it's situational awareness, right? you got to be able – and you see that in a lot of the great quarterbacks. You see it with Tom Brady. You even see it with some of the stuff with Tua is doing right now is being able to read the field, see throwing to where the receiver is going to be open, watching the steps, making all those calculations in your head. And can Aaron Rodgers do this? Absolutely. That's why he's a four-time MVP. Is Aaron Rodgers doing this? No, he is not.
0: He has new receivers, and they're not on the same page, and so it's almost like you created this mess. Now, will he be benched? Of course not. He's no, Aaron Rodgers not being paid 100 million right. hundred millions of dollars. And so they're not going to bench him. that would right. not be a That's positive a thing for the future. Horrible. Yeah, And they do have rookie receivers. And so the thought there is at some point in time, they're going to figure this out. And, and right. so they're not in it just for this year. Maybe they're in it for next year, but again, right. maybe this year would be a little bit better if you had showed up during the OTAs speaking of, of not showing up during OTAs because he had other things on his plate. We have a Tom Brady now. I want to just be careful here. I want to just give you a little bit of caution in your optimism you Tom Brady fans you're saying oh mm-hmm. Tom Brady is back Tom Brady is going to be Tom Brady again he is finally back and we have our, our the greatest quarterback ever uh, hold on first of all no. he's not the greatest quarterback ever don't even get me started on that I get so sick when I hear people like Skip Bayless saying it's unquestioned he right. is the GOAT and then Shannon Sharpe saying well yeah I guess he is unquestioned no it absolutely can be questioned he is the right. GOAT they changed the freaking rules and then now and then now they can't even hit the quarterback if right. if Joe Montana had been able to go through his career without people being able to hit him right he, he would have played a lot longer right and he would have had a lot more rings yes right
1: so. you like you don't have Lawrence Taylor staring you down right. right you you've got guys that aren't allowed to touch you the minute that you go into motion Lawrence Taylor like knocked you to the ground and then sat on you until yes. you wanted to get up for the next play. And then he took your mom out on a date. Like this is not the same game, right? That Lawrence Taylor was in, or that like um gosh, now now the the, the mind the mind fails, right? Ronnie Lott when he played, right? Yes, All right. these guys, like you you can't you can't compare the 1980s and nineties. How many concussions would have Steve Young not sustained, which were right. that is how his career ended. He was the concussion kid. He would have had a much longer career in San Francisco or wherever else he ended up, but for the fact that he got concussed at least once every other season for the 10 years he was with the Niners. Yeah, so come Spare come at me. me. So spare yeah. me this,
0: oh, he is the GOAT. It's unquestioned. Now, granted, right. you can make an argument, but it definitely oh, yeah, is questionable.
1: But he's up in there, right? Guaranteed Tom Brady will, will always be in the top five, even maybe the top three quarterbacks of all times but the right. unquestioned goat? No, man. Because even no. Roger Starr when he played for the Cowboys back in the 60s, I mean, you it was a different game, right? Yes. What was the game when they had barely any paddings and like the leather helmets?
0: Right. Come on, like it's a so different So it is questioned. Game. It can be questioned it, and it, yeah, it is questionable. Very much so. And for me, I'm putting my money if you had one game to win and you could pick any quarterback in his prime to win it, I'm taking Joe Montana. I am not Every taking day of Bill the week. Brady. Exactly. And then I'm taking, like, Joe Montana, and then I'm taking, like, Terry Bradshaw. And
1: then I'm taking, like – I mean, Tom Brady's going to be three or four down on the list because if we did an all-prime NFC game versus an all-prime AFC game, I don't think Tom Brady would be the AFC quarterback. Like, I don't think that he'd be able to even touch some of these right. other quarter – I mean, even the Brett Favre era, right? It even, is – I mean, God, good gravy. Like, it was – the 90s. The Troy Aikmans and the Brett Favres would still have a very different outlook on things.
0: Right. So is is Tom Brady amazing? Is he clutch? Yes, yes, and yes. I'm not going to take that away from him. But still, uh, my money is on cool Joe Montana. I would take him over Tom Brady. Look at the Super Bowl stats, you people who question me. Look him up and then give me a call. Joe Montana's Super Bowl stats are way superior to Tom Brady. They're not even close. In fact, Joe Montana's postseason stats are way superior. Mm -hmm. When the pressure is on, Montana was at his best. What stopped Joe Montana? Injuries. The fact that he could get nailed in the head Mm -hmm. and still had to play, that's what stopped Joe Montana's career. And so if he had had the same rules that Tom Brady gets to enjoy now, yeah, Joe Montana would have won more championships.
1: How much more dominant Von Miller would be if he was allowed the same 1980, 1990 rules of being
0: able to rough the passer?
1: Like insane, absolutely. Right. If Von Miller would be a five hundred million dollar player right now.
0: You say rough a... the passer. Back then they called it hitting the quarterback. But yeah, right, right.
1: right. Back then they called it football.
0: Right. You also mentioned Geno Smith. He is the feel good story of this year. So he really far. is. I mean, you know what? Give him the MVP. He's definitely going to be the comeback mm-hmm. player. Comeback. Yeah. I don't know why because he wasn't exactly injured the last year. But man. A veteran with so many years of experience now out of nowhere playing like an MVP. This is an amazing story out there. I would love to see.
1: You know what? And I look, I'm a Niners fan. We've had this discussion. We know Seattle's our rivals. We've had this discussion. But I'd really like to see Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks really turn it around and, and be major contenders for the playoffs this year, if not Super Bowl contenders. I would love to see that because like Geno Smith is doing everything the right way in the game, right? He's honorable. He encourages his teammates. He shakes off bad plays and interceptions and turnovers and come back out and put up touchdowns. When you get him in press conferences, he isn't being like, Geno Smith is the best that's ever lived. He's like, it was a team effort. We all did well. Some of us made mistakes, but luckily we got the win today, and then he moves on. He's a guy that has seen the negative end of football, and he's not buying into it. He knows this is his shot, and he is making the most of it.
0: Speaking of Geno Smith, let's go over now to our picks for this upcoming week. Oh yes! Uh, hey, first of all, let's go ahead and look at our season totals. I was five and one. I actually, somebody asked me for some of my picks on some other games, and I, I nailed those as well. Uh I know. You know what I'm going to do for next week? I'm, I actually listened to another podcast this last week. It's a local political slash sports podcast. And they were talking about this gambling guy who says, I've had so many winning weeks. Chris, we should do that ourselves. How many winning weeks have we had where you add up all of our picks and we had a winning week? Well, I might pull up that number by next week. But Maybe. I was 5-1 and one last week, and I got to tell you, I felt good about my picks. I told you last week I felt yep. good because my what I really look for are home dogs. And I think I found yep. four home dogs last week. Every single one won. Paid I off, liked yeah. those picks. You, uh, you weren't too bad last week at 3-3. Three 3-3, and three three. And three.
1: yep. I picked losing. winners, but it was like, I mean, it's those heartbreaking drops, right, where you lose by one point, right? You lose the spread by a point. The Bills game, right, was one of those where they lost. Or, Well, then again, I picked the Packers over the Lions, and that that should have been the smart money bet of the week, right? That would have been the guaranteed win, and then it was the Packers lost to the so Lions. So let's go over,
0: let me go over my picks. The yeah, yeah, this. let's we, do it. We got... The Falcons over the Panthers. I struggled with this pick. I don't like this pick. I don't feel near strong about this one as I did last week's. I I think the Falcons got robbed last week. If you watch that game. Actually, I say robbed. It wasn't wasn't like the refs robbed them. They robbed themselves. Mm -hmm. One of their Mm -hmm. linemen caused a fumble there in the last Mm -hmm. 20 seconds of the game as the Chargers were lining up for the game-winning field goal. The Chargers fumbled the ball. A lineman picked it up and is running down the field. And you know, this running back is thinking, this is my Walter Payton moment. I mean, this is my sweetness moment. I'm gonna I'm, I'm out mm-hmm. here, I'm a lineman. I get to touch the ball. It's like, hey, Ma, mm-hmm. look at me. And so he tries to shift hands midway down the field. Like he said, the 40 yard line, he switches hands like he's a running back. He fumbles the ball without being hit. Same play, two fumbles. So Falcons went from losing the game to oh, we're gonna win the game. Oh, now we're going to lose the game again. Yeah. And so, and so yeah, God. how are they going to feel coming off that? Might they be? They are still in first place, tied for first place with mm-hmm. the Bucks. I think they're going to have a solid game this week against the Panthers. So I'm going back to the, the Falcons this week. Yeah, Panthers have fallen apart. Yeah, I, that, that, That's why I don't want to bet this game. When right. you have an unknown like the Panthers, You have they don't fit any of your molds. You have no yeah. idea what to expect. You know Nothing. these players are playing for contracts for next year, so yep. might they be motivated to have some stats? Might they not be because there's no real leadership? I have no right. idea. It's it's a it's tough to pick those kind of games. All right, Seahawks over the Bucks. This is the one. Since I said hey, that's my good segue. Geno Smith is is on fire, but he's mm-hmm. playing against Tom Brady. Which Tom Brady is going to show up? And right. to complicate this game. Let's throw in this. It's not a home game for either team. It's being played in Munich, Germany. Germany, out. right. Either yeah. one fares out there in Munich. I have no idea. Right. A- any thoughts on that game? Um you know, I think I went with the Seahawks as well because it's
1: a it's a up. Brady was in rare form or Brady was in normal form for the last forty five seconds of the, the game this last weekend. So Brady might come out swinging. It might be another pinch. And then you're thrown in Munich, right? Nobody knows what's going to happen over over there. So I think the Seahawks are a strong pick. They're coalescing. They're doing well. And the Bucs just aren't putting up like they used to. So I think here's this might my be thought. the last weekend you can really bet against the Bucks. Because if they lose this one, I think the
0: motivation will go through the roof. So I don't know. I'm going to go with Seahawks, I think, as well. And here's the deal. The Bucs have a losing record. Right. And they're in first place, so they are they are lucky there. So they, Tom Brady, has the benefit now of trying to figure things out. He's now post a divorce here by a couple of weeks. I believe your favorite meme of the week says that he's undefeated since
1: his divorce.
0: So there you go. I have no idea what that means. That's a
1: great stat. That's a Joe Buck stat. Just so
0: you know, I do think, in fairness, it does show that he was distracted. Mm Because the divorce is going on. So while he's playing NFL games and rallying his team and trying to watch Mm -hmm. game film, he's also getting calls from the lawyers saying, Hey, how about child custody, you know, visitation, things like that. And so Mm -hmm. that had to have been a real tough time during his life. And now he's free from that. And he's in first place because he's in an absolutely horrendous division. And Mm -hmm. so watch out for the bucks. Still (laughs) I'm going with um, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. All right. Bears. Two and a half over the lions. I think the bears are figuring things out as we mm-hmm. speak. I think that is a team to watch out for. But let's just say if you actually had a bear, and I mean an actual animal bear, and they're in the wild and they meet up with a lion. Who mm-hmm. is winning that battle? Oh, the bears every time. Okay. Then I'm picking the bears. There you go.
1: When I worked in a restaurant in undergrad, we had a football pool that we did this, and we had one of the waitresses pick her winners by who was more cuddly. And she won like every week, every week
0: at our football pool. All right. Steelers over the Saints. This is the one I'm telling you, this should be my lock of the week. Here's why. Mm -hmm. One of my hard, fast rules, and that's why we're doing this, and we're doing this publicly because we want to know how to do the betting. Well, one of my Mm -hmm. rules is you always go with coaching. Over the long haul, coaching wins out. In the second half of the season especially. Coaches have the ability to figure things out. They know who their players are. They know their strengths and their weaknesses. They tend to figure things out. What do we know about the Saints? They're getting worse. They are not Mm -hmm. figuring things out. They are getting worse. Meanwhile, we know Tomlin of the Steelers. He has yet to have a losing record. This year might be the year because he does have new quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks he's trying to figure out. But still, I have to think the Steelers are going to figure it out this weekend. That is my favorite pick of the week.
1: I think right. so. I think you're right
0: on that one. There are a couple of college picks. LSU is basically a pick 'em against Arkansas. Three mm-hmm. points. I don't know. LSU is on the verge of cracking the college football playoffs, and right. so there's a lot of excitement out there in um, in LSU right. country. By the way, I'm going there tomorrow. I'm going down to Baton Rouge, uh, and so it's 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 exciting down there. Um, the the Kelly, their their new coach, has things figured out. Mm-hmm. I. I I got He's to got a bunch LSU. of true
1: freshmen that are stepping up right
0: now, so LSU's the pick. There's a lot of excitement going down there. KU There's... over Texas Tech. I, this is the local <laughs> pick for me. Of KU, we might have our starting quarterback back in Daniels. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. The backup ream, they have things figured out. At KU, mm-hmm. they are a solid, solid team, and Texas Tech is a nobody. I hate to say right. it. Get I, if your you tortillas me, ready. Right. If you can give me four points, well, if for KU, I'm taking those four points. And lastly, you know I'm a big Texas hater. I think everyone right. is just so in love with the Texas Longhorns. Now they got the right. SEC stink on them as well. So you know the betters are in love with Texas. i got to take the points in TCU. TCU? Hey,
1: TCU's T- undefeated.
0: They're undefeated. They're top four, which might play against them because they're not used to being in the top four. So sometimes right. when you're not used to it, you know, in Mine Alabama is- – they're not oh, going to yeah. care about being in the top four. They, they, that's not new to them. T- it might go to TCU's head. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. still, he got seven points. I like TCU over yeah, Texas. Take that. take that seven points all day. All right. So, uh, w- 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 how are your picks looking? All right. So,
1: I mean, Seahawks over Bucks. We had that conversation. That's that's beating a dead horse or a dead, you know, dead buck at this point. Um, Chiefs over Jags. I mean, they're giving them nine and a half points. I think the... The Chiefs, I mean, barely pulling it out over the Titans. I think that um, the Chiefs over the Jags should be a no-brainer. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, the Jags did win a pretty spectacular way this past Sunday. But who did they play, right? So I'm going to go Chiefs 9.5. That's easy.
0: Uh, I I have no idea what the over-under is on that game, but I'm telling you right now, take the over. Because the Jags head coach is the former offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a good friend of Andy Reid. And so these two guys are going to want to put on a show, an offensive show. I'm not sure the defenses will even show up for this game. I have no idea what the over is. Take the over. The
1: over is 50.5. There you go. The Take over it. is 50.5. Take the over. I, well, I mean, I'm not, but you could. <laughs> um, Steelers over Saints. That's an easy one. Um, cards over the Rams. It's a three-point thing over the Rams. Cardinals are coming out. Rams are just kind of – I mean, if you watched the game last Sunday, like the Rams aren't doing much. If they're not connecting with Cooper Cup, they're not doing anything. Stafford is fully on, and my my brother-in-law said it best. He's going back to his lion roots with, with the way that he's playing right now, and he is just not the Hall of Fame quarterback people are, are yelling for. and It's just – it's Not there, so I'm going to take the cards with something to prove they got three points over the Rams. I think they're what's going to up with it. the
0: Rams last week? I, 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 Cup, I cannot believe Cup cost them that win, you know. What Plum's yeah, that first down. About? yeah, if he that. why did he, he not dive? Down. I get this, the staying in bounds, you could have dove and right. and you, you probably would have gotten the first down game over. He decided to slide as if he's a quarterback. I'm nope. not sure I understand that.
1: Don't get it. So the Rams are just kind of falling apart this year and it is what it is. Um Chargers plus 7 over the Niners. I don't know if the Chargers are going to win. They're not doing really super great, but 7 points. I, I don't do think like the Niners. I don't think the Niners are going to win by 7 points. The Niners will run a close game and maybe pull it out by 3 or maybe an extra point, right? But I don't think there's going to be a touchdown victory in this one. And then my I think my most controversial pick of the week is that
2: th-
1: I'm taking the Commanders plus 11 over the Eagles. Now, All right. n- not to say that the Eagles aren't going to win again. 11, though, that just seems really high to give the Eagles 11. But I may be eating my words come no. come next like week. But I think that the Commanders will pull out in my head. And what I've done in the past is who's going to win the game. And then I do my picks based on, oh, yeah, they'll win. I mean, I know the Niners are going to win. So, of course, by seven points. Now, the strategy shifting. The numbers, I don't care who's going to win, how close is the score going to be? That's where that's where I'm looking at this
0: week. And I'm just telling you, second half of the season, when you have mm-hmm. undefeated teams, it, they do seem to get full of themselves. You just see mm-hmm. it historically. I saw it with my Kansas City Chiefs when we were 9-0 right. with Priest Holmes. The second half of the season, you just tend to mm-hmm. lose focus a little bit. You go up against the commanders who are known for having a good defense. I mm-hmm. think they can knock Philadelphia in the nose, and that could Let's be a see. close game. I think it's gonna be a close game, and then I picked LSU over
1: Ark. Like that's just that's a no brainer. That should that I w- I almost picked because the OSU game OSU versus um I can't think who OSU is playing right now, but OSU was a thirty nine point five per thirty nine point five point favorite, and nice. I was like ooh. Maybe I should pick OSU. But then I'm like, no, it would be the day that I pick the team that is a 39-point dog to OSU, and OSU runs up
0: 57 points on them. Right. You just don't know on those. You do not know. I mean,
1: gosh, 39.5-point favorites. That's absolutely absolutely insane.
0: There Insane. you go. Insane. All right. Those, those are our are my picks, picks, our week 10 picks for this week. And so, hey, well, by next week, I'll try to do a little bit of adding up to see how many winning weeks we have mm-hmm. had. Uh, and in more of these weeks, we actually need to, to analyze, w- we've done these picks. What right. actually are the the rules that we use in making our picks? And is there anything we can learn Already right. right here, I see several of the picks you and I made that are the same. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, does that mean that we're, there's a, we have an extra sh- better shot of winning those weeks? If you right. take our combined picks where we say, yeah, for independent reasons, we think this team will win, maybe that's the formula for the future. All right, Chris, maybe. have a great week. I am off to Cajun country. Have and fun. hey, Hey, Redway, we're ready for you, and see you next week. Complicity Marketing for our technical and computer support.